be the person you were meant to be in this world. I feel like I kept myself small and hid my voice. Good, Beth. You get to write your own story now. Ah. You're sleepwalking through life. And so waking people up, I call my discovery call a wake up call. Unforgiveness is you drinking the poison and Mm. expecting them to die. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments, and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Hello, all you crazy happy people out there. Amy Dix with Choose Happy with another episode of Unlocking Happiness. And today we are unlocking happiness with Beth Montpass. She is a life coach based out of the Midwest. But my guess is, is you do business all across the United States, maybe even world. Um, so even though you are based out of the Midwest in Iowa, you span the United States. Is that a fair? Absolutely. Yeah. So you are a certified coach, trainer, and speaker. <laughs> I love so much right here. I don't know if you wrote this. I'm sure someone wrote it for you. And I love this. Beth is a warm, energetic, loving woman with connection as her highest value. And that's actually how we got connected and you were on the show because we had reached out for some some other stuff with our program authority speaking. And when you responded, you were like such a connector. And I was like, I love this woman's vibe. You should come on the show. Let's unlock happiness together. So welcome to the show, Beth. So happy to have you on here. Thank you. And it is, it's what people tell me I am, is yes. warm, energetic. Like you can feel my energy in an email <laughs> or a text or a podcast. Yes. I And I felt it on the email. So, <laughs> so you're based out of Iowa. I'm actually from, originally from Nebraska. And so I love the whole like Midwest mentality, just the niceness of the people, I guess I would say. And have you always been in the Midwest? I went to high school here, was raised in Iowa, went to college in Iowa and built my life, had all my children in the capital city of Des Moines, Iowa. So I am a Midwest girl. And how do you think that that has like translated to your warm, energetic, loving nature? You know, they say Iowa nice, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It is that warmth. And when I greet people, it's it's with open arms and I'm out on the front step and I'm a hugger. I'm an Enneagram seven and it is just natural. It's my natural bent to be warm. And in Iowa, I think it's, that's who we be in the world is welcoming and kind and warm and loving. And there's a whole lot of sass and things that go down here too. I don't mean to make it sound like a church lady, but yeah, yeah. No, and you can see this sass if the listeners go to your website, Bethmontpass.com, B-E-T-H-M-O-N 
T P A S and just go to the about page and the picture of you on the bridge shows all the sass and all the happiness. I love that. You say, be the person you want to be. Don't say what you want to become. What does that mean? Be the person you were meant to be in this world. I feel like I kept myself small and hid my voice and didn't think I mattered. Mm. And uh, when I was awakened, which is what I do with a lot of my clients, it's really they're sleepwalking through life. And so waking people up, I call my discovery call a wake up call. And um, you get to be loud and proud who you are, who you be in the world. I say, I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but um, (laughs) shine your light and be light, be love and not keep yourself small. You do matter. And that's what that means to me. And at what point in your life do you feel like you were telling yourself like you didn't matter? Yeah. Well, it was a beautiful fall day in Iowa and my four kids were jumping on the trampoline and my husband and I were raking leaves. And he says to me, let's talk when the kids go to bed tonight. And I was like, I bet he wants to go on vacation. (laughs) And he's Sunday night, 8 p.m. I grabbed two glasses of red wine and he has two ice waters. And I think we'll head in by the fireplace. And he says, let's go to your office. And with every step, I was like, I don't, I don't think we're going on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to cut to the chase. I got a new place and I'm leaving tomorrow. And I was like, are we on candid camera? Because we have an amazing life. And it, there was no cameras. It was his decision to march straight out of our life. And at that moment, I laid on my kitchen floor and cried for two years. Here I was a top salesperson in my field and I couldn't convince, I couldn't sell my own husband on staying with his family. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I cried. I felt not enough. I felt stepped over, kicked. And um, after two years of crying, I realized, my dreams didn't walk out the door when he did. And I had a good friend when, when there was that moment that this is going to divorce, I called his parents, my parents, my friends, his friends. I mean, everybody was in disbelief and aghast that this guy was leaving, except for there was one friend. There was one friend who said, good, Beth, you get to write your own story now. And I was like, I like my current story. (laughs) I don't want to write a new story. That's right. (laughs) And so I began online dating a couple of years later, made my list of 10 things I wanted in husband number two and went after what I wanted. And that's when I realized I get to use my voice. I get to shine my light all over the world. And that's how I became passionate about helping other women unmask themselves and use their voice and your dreams didn't walk out the door just because some kind of rug of life was ripped out from under you. And what do you really think like led him to that? I mean, if it was such a shock to you, uh, certainly looking back, you can maybe pinpoint a couple of things. Well, number one, I am not a victim here completely. You know, I, I, a couple of years before that, I wish we had gotten ourselves some help, gotten some communication. Mm. At that point in my career, I said I was a top salesperson and I was paying the mortgage and he was home, a stay-at-home dad with four kids. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think he lost himself. So I am responsible for the breakdown of my marriage and not seeing clearly an Enneagram seven, a promoter, an enthusiastic woman like I am has a hard time facing pain, facing things that don't work in her life. And so I was sort of stepping over with my Pollyanna, my Iowa nice, you know, my warmth, Mm -hmm. my warmth and not really addressing what was going on. So I think he left because he lost himself. And I will tell you over a decade later, I am grateful that he left. He created a space for husband number two. We've been married nine years. I have a life that I love. Mm -hmm. And so I am grateful to him. Are you still in touch with him? I mean, he is the father of your children. Yes. It's a heartbreaking story. He has no connection with any of those kids because now they were five. The twins were seven and the oldest was 12 when he left. And now those Mm -hmm. kids this much later are 18. The twins are 21 and 25. And he has chosen not to be a part of their life. Hmm. And I think the heartbreaking part is he lived 11 houses away from us. And as my daughter would say, mom, it'd been easier if he moved out of the country, out of the sure. state, instead of just being down the road. However, I would say I am a fast forgiver. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on with him. All I know is my, uh, if anything got me through, it was living well is Mm -hmm. my best revenge. You know, Mm. I focus on living well and my kids and I are still doing that today. Focused on living well. Although I don't know if revenge is very Iowa nice, but (laughs) (laughs) it's what got me through. Forgiveness is an interesting topic too. You know, they say forgiveness is really more about you, not about the other person and allowing yourself to kind of move on. I don't think I really understood that until later on, you know, in life where I had to forgive people and forgive their actions. And, and it was, yeah, it's not for them. They need to forgive themselves for screwing up in life. You know, they need to forgive themselves for the decisions that they made. I forgive them or forgave them for myself so that mentally, like I could go on and I didn't have to think about those things every single day and have them control me and control my thoughts. And so I think, you know, forgiveness is an interesting, an interesting topic and maybe it comes easier for some people and certainly (laughs) the Iowa nice girl in you. And maybe that's why it came easy to me too, the Nebraska nice too, but, um, came for you, but it was really for you, not for him. So absolutely. In fact, I think Oprah says unforgiveness is you drinking the poison and Mm. expecting them to die. Oh, that's so good. It takes so much energy to not forgive, to, if I, if I saw him because he lived 11 houses away, we were at football games together. We were at social things. And when I saw him, if I had not forgiven him, it would have stolen so much of my energy. So yeah. Yeah. Oprah's a wise woman. Yeah. (laughs) Unforgiveness is you drinking the poison and thinking they're going to die. So what advice do you have for other people who may have had the rug ripped up from under them? Um, Whether it be a scenario like this or, you know, just they, they just felt shocked in a moment. Like how could that have happened to me? Well, number one, be awake. 
be awakened to your life. Don't sleepwalk through life. Be aware when there's things to be dealt with, right? And then when the inevitable happens at the rug of life, because there are things that happen that are out of our control. Kids don't turn out the way we think they're going to. Jobs <laughs> don't go the way we think they're going to. Relationships, of course. The best advice I would have is to feel those feelings, like puke them up is what I usually, it's the best analogy I can think of is crying and screaming and mad and feel the feelings because I feel like many, many clients that I work with have dealt with it by drinking two bottles of wine mm. deal with it by Netflix binging and covers over the head. And that was an option for me, but only for a moment. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to feel this. This sucks. This is pain. And I am alive to feel it. And okay, hashtag, what if it's better? In fact, I think my friend Nina Aubert, who you also interviewed, that's one of her famous lines is hashtag, what if it's better? And you can apply that to anything. So I have focused on, you know, living well is the best revenge and really thinking about, okay, well, that didn't work out this mm -hmm. first marriage. What if it's better with husband number two? Mm -hmm. What if the job is better and really focused on what it is we're creating? Because we are the source of our whole dang life. Mm -hmm. We're not a victim to it. So even when people walk out on us, we get to create whatever we're creating. We get to focus on that. Because what I find is when people let go of the past, they can then focus on this amazing future. But you right. cannot focus on the amazing vision you have for your life and in work, in play, in, and when you're focused so hard on past mistakes and, and past. Yeah. And I think a lot of it maybe comes down to fear, right? Like, I love what you said. What if it's better? I think in those moments, we fear that it's not going to be better. Like that is a really huge risk sometimes to be like, well, what if it's better? Well, I don't think it can get better and I'm pretty content, right? So I like that because I think we settle for me mediocrity a lot in life, in our life. And what if it's better? <laughs> I, I felt like I had it all. And what we don't know is what we don't know, right? That's and so right. We can really intellectually go, oh, well, wow, what if it, what if it could be better right. and go towards something we can't see, but know that we're creating it? That's everything. Yeah. So you say that you don't like the saying, work hard, play hard. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you like that? Because I think that hard is a decision. And if we're oh. deciding that hard is how it's going to be, guess what? It will be. It's like the little engine that could, whatever you say is going to be. So work hard, play hard. How about work easy, <laughs> play easy with ease. <laughs> With ease, with fun, with play. It doesn't, life doesn't have to be hard. Yeah, that is so good. I That reminds me when I first got into like corporate America, if you will, that was absolutely the phrase. And even when I was in college with my degree, my professor, I was in a very specific kind of degree in industrial distribution. And it's a really re rewarding, like financially, a really rewarding path to get into. And he would always say that, you know, if you work hard, you can play hard in this industry. 
And so I kind of took that on. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I've never thought of it the way that you just said it, but it's such a good mind shift to think of it that way. So work easy, play easy. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. So you talk about writing your own story. Is there a book from Beth? <laughs> I love you for asking. And it's still inside me. I have to uh, thank you for reminding me that I get to <laughs> I get to do that. Until then, I have found reading inspiring books with other women has been a way for deep connection and for us to hold each other uh, close. So I have grown my life coaching business and I've grown my life reading books with other women. So I'm all about a high vibe book club. And if any of your listeners that are high level women that want to attract their market to them, holding up a book that you feel passionate about, I'm holding up the go-giver right now, mm-hmm. or you are a badass, or my personal favorite, playing big, because a lot of us get to be inspired to play big, but to hold that book up and say, this book has changed my life or change my thinking about something. Mm-hmm. And I find that it's a way to connect to ourselves, how we feel about different strategies. You get connected to the book because man, I know a lot of women who have a shelf esteem, I call it a bookshelf of books they haven't read, right? Like we all think, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. We buy it and then we don't read it. <laughs> so you actually get to connect to the book and complete the book. And it's a great way to connect with six or eight or 10 or 12 other amazing women and see the book from their perspective, because you almost ask yourself, are we reading the same book? Because what you get out of it oh, is sure. so entirely differently what I get out of it. Right, right. So or if people that, read it and don't apply it, right? So you yes. said they have it on their shelf, they don't read it. But, you know, I think we can all say that we've read a book and then like didn't apply we're like oh this is so good you know might be motivated but it but but if we don't apply it what's it matter you know right we highlighted the hell out of it and then we like didn't do it yeah Um, Yeah. I also find the secret of an amazing book club a high vibe book club is it's a way for people to know like and trust me as the facilitator so for anyone listening if you have a book that you really love holding it up on social media, sending out to your email database and say, read this book with me. And I charge a fee. I, you can meet in person or you can do it on Zoom. And it's connection is key. It's connection is currency. And so having a connection to the book, to the facilitator, to me, it's been a very natural way for me to attract my niche to me because yeah. it's an easy yes. Great. That's such a good idea. So break that down for us. So whether they want to join your book club or if somebody wants to start their own. So there's a low entry fee. Obviously, you read the book, but then like how often do you meet? I like one hour once a week. So deciding, looking at the table of contents, if there's 10 chapters, we read two or three chapters, 10 pages a day, two or three chapters a week. And so it's a way to complete the book. And I'll tell you, a lot of people have said, how do you lead a book club? And I'm like, oh my gosh, select a book you love and read it with your friends. I always thought it was so easy. 
I've led 60 or more book clubs for hundreds and hundreds of women over the last few years. So during the quiet COVID, I wrote an online course about how to run oh. a high vibe book club and get paid to read, really. So, and they can find that on your website? Yes. In so fact, you can so you can go to bethmontpass.com and find the course on how to run a book club and yeah. or join yours too, right? Absolutely. We just got yeah. done reading Essentialism. What is essential in your life? I just read that with seven women and it was a beautiful building of relationship. But I also have a free gift um, on my website. So if you're like, wow, I'd love to host a book club, but I don't know how. I have a planner, just an easy download where people can say, you know, I want to plan a book club, but how do I do it before you buy the course? And that is bethmontpass.com backslash planner. What's been your favorite book? I would say I have a lot of women who are tortured by a daily routine. They want to have one, but they don't have one. Sure. So reading <laughs> The Miracle Morning. Good suggestion. By Hal Elrod has been a peace giver, a mm. life giver. And so reading that with a group of people, the first time through, you're kind of like, no, I can't get up earlier. But it's, <laughs> been, a, it's been a game changer, a life changer. That's one of my favorite books. I'm also a huge John Maxwell fan of his leadership books. I love Today Matters. So I haven't met a book I didn't love. Oh, that's so great. I haven't met a book I didn't love. That's fun. Miracle Morning, that's so interesting. I read that years and years and years ago. And let's go back to what I said earlier, where you read something, you're so inspired, but if you don't apply it, then what's it matter, you know? And I just pulled out the, he's got his acronym SAVERS, SAVER or SAVERS. And those are like the steps that you take during the morning. And I pulled it back out again. I'm like, I'm going to do this, you know? And I wrote them out and I think put it on a sticky note, put it somewhere on my desk. It's actually somewhere here. But again, if you don't apply it, what's it matter? Uh, I would recommend that book, even though I still have my own work to do on it. But uh, what a great suggestion. I really love that one. I feel like a lot of us need to read a book more than one time to really digest it. And you can do a one minute per each of the S-A-V-E-R-S. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes for each. So you really get to make it your own. But one of the things in the back of this Miracle Morning book, I don't know if you got to the appendix, Amy, but it is where it it calls you to, if you're brave enough, if you're courageous enough to send an email to some of your closest friends, fans, followers, family, whoever, and ask them for your weaknesses. And it is it's crazy fun to do that with a group that are all reading the book together. Who's brave enough to send this out? Because guess what? People that we live and work with actually see our not so great parts and they're usually don't say anything. And so it's an opportunity to start a a brave conversation. So that's one of my favorite books because it's a life-changing morning routine and a test of courageousness. I love, I'm going to do that regardless. Um, I already feel nervous about it, (laughs) but I love that. I'm going to do that regardless. We did this activity the other night. I was on someone's podcast. Um, it's called the 52 love podcast. Anyway, she, 
Um, just to give a little context, she every week has somebody do some sort of activity to connect deeper with in some relationship. I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's all like a romantic relationship. Anyway, so she gave me an activity. I did it. And then you go on her podcast and you, and you discuss it. So Anyway, giving the context there, that's what happened. And one of the things that we did during that activity was I had a bunch of questions to ask my boyfriend and we both answered the questions and then we, you know, revealed them to each other. One of them was, I don't know why I actually even put it on there because now I'm just scared to even say it out loud, but something along the lines of, if you could change anything about me, what would you change? Something like that. And he said that I was disorganized and I thought... That is the craziest thing to me because I feel like I'm one of the most organized people. And then it kind of led into this discussion. I further understood what he was really, you know, getting at when he said that. But wow, like it was so impactful for me. Because And at first I was like, you're kidding. And then I was like, no, Amy, you cannot dismiss what he says. <laughs> he gets to have his opinion. He gets to have his opinion. I love that he answered you. That is super cool. When I sent the email to my husband and my children, they were like, no way. Not (laughs) touching that with a red hot poker. Like, absolutely not. And the things that the feedback that I got was things I didn't think anybody else knew. Like, I knew them. But I had no oh, idea. for sure. So it's an eye opening. And that's why I say it's a courageous thing to send out because and it's all neutral. It's neutral when you re- it's feedback that your boyfriend thinks you're disorganized. You go, oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> interesting. so interesting again, because I think I'm like one of the more organized people. <laughs> He he answered. He gave you. He gave you. That's right. That's right. Well, and then you know, it it stemmed a a conversation to help me understand, you know, what he meant and and the areas where, because where I think I'm super organized, which is mainly like in work, um, and throughout my work day and the things that I get accomplished and all this other stuff. And where he sees me disorganized, obviously, is more in my personal life. So where I'm like, oh. Like, that's so good because sometimes I'm so focused on work that it kind of consumes me. So my personal life kind of does get in disarray every now and again, right? Because I would just prefer to be working and focus on that. And to me, work is like never done. So (laughs) I like to reframe it. What was, what were you most shocked about when you asked that question? That people felt like I always was off to a next bigger appointment. And then when I was on the phone with them, they knew I had to go. And I was like, I thought I was the only one that knew that. So now, of course, the feedback, I received it. Add in some buffers between appointments. You know, look at them with a sparkle in my eye if they're in person and not be looking at what's coming next. It's being present. That's and so good. I, thought I had it masked. I thought I was fooling the world and I wasn't. And it was a wake up call. That's so good. I have a, um, someone that I work with and I'll just call him, him a mentor, but he always is like a couple minutes late on the zoom and he always has to rush off. And it's because he's, and I get it, but he stacks his schedule, right? In like 30 minute increments or whatever, but there's never any buffer between his calls. And, you know, I was really put off by it a couple, you know, the first couple times. And I'm like, 
did he even hear what I had to say? Or was he just like thinking about the next appointment? And then later I kind of like figured it out. Oh, this man like does not put any like five, even five minutes between his appointments. And he's a busy man. He's very, very successful. So I'm sure there's a reason for that. And I'm still, how do I want to say this? I still, yeah, I still feel like I have a right though to the way that I feel. And that's how I feel, you know? But I wonder if anybody's given that feedback that what it, the message it sends is I'm not important. The next thing. And when I, once I really received that again, feedback's neutral. It doesn't make that it's a hundred percent. It's just someone's experience of you. Yeah. Then I could, I realized that I want to send love out of my eyeballs at people yeah. <laughs> and out of my voice and not be sending. It's a vibration, right? It's like a energy. That's a freneticness. That's like, I am done with you and I've got to wrap this up. And that's not what I, I realize that's what people were receiving when that, that I was, I want to send love bombs now. Right. <laughs> yes. Love bombs. Not I'm busy bombs <laughs> or you're not important bombs. That's so good. So I encourage everyone to do that. I'm going to do it. I will report back on a future show on kind of what happens there, but I, I love that. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that and kind of run with it. Thank you so much for unlocking happiness with us today. I know there is so much more left to your story as you continue to write your own story. And I just have one last question for you. And I ask all the guests the same question. And it's, if you had seven more days left to live, what would you do? Oh my goodness. What a fantastic question. I would love, I would connect, I would have my family, my friends, I would fill the room with people. I wouldn't leave my life, I'll tell you that. I would just turn up the volume on everything that I do. I would leave no, oh my gosh, this is such a good question. I'm really tongue <laughs> But I would just leave nothing unsaid and I would, I would definitely be too much in sharing my love mm. for my people. That's all love that would it. matter. Love it. So here's the next, it's a two-part question. Tri- I tricked you. Uh, <laughs> so the second part of that question is, if you only had seven more days left to live, but you were in a debilitated state, so all we had left was your voice, what is the last bit of advice that you would want to give the world? Live full out. Live without regret. Live big and love. Love it. Beth, thank you so much for unlocking happiness with us today. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag unlocking happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. 
Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.